Greeting is in the Master's name. Grace and peace be to each of you. When I think of that, of that um, greeting, I think of Mabel Chapel. Greetings in the Master's name. I often think of Brother John when I think of that greeting, and I appreciate that message. Brother Paul, or Paul in New Testament, often started with grace and peace. Some interesting thoughts. Well, good morning. As I prepared for a message this morning or thought about this this week, I was really looking forward to this. Is the first audience that I've we've got to minister to in months. I was looking forward to this, seeing at least part of your faces. And as I thought about coming in, what would God have us to talk about this morning? When I was ordained. Brother Mark gave me a list of verses, sermon suggestions. And my mind went to that list. I carry that list with me in my Bible, Brother Mark. Thank you for that list. And I pulled that list out and I glanced at it. And one seemed like one passage stood out to me. And so I turned to it. Romans 8, or, um, John 8, verse 32. And how God, God is just so amazing there's multiple things that have happened this week that just pointed to that verse. So I'd like to go straight to start with our or with, with our text verse this morning, John eight verse thirty, well thirty one and thirty two. If you would turn with me there. And it was after I started looking at this verse that I realized that it was Memorial Day tomorrow. Now, what is Memorial Day? Memorial Day, and I haven't done the background study on it, but as I would, my simple understanding of it is we celebrate those that gave their lives for our freedom. Mem- uh, holding in memorial those that have given their lives for America's freedom. Let's look at John 8, verse 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If ye continue in My word, then are ye My disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom. Real freedom. You know, the world wants freedom. Everybody wants to be free. Free of bondage. Free of things that control us. Free of things that hold us back. But I want you to look at the very at verse one, or the first verse we read, verse, uh, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Jesus wasn't talking to unbelievers here. Get that rooted in your mind before we get tear this apart. Jesus was talking to believers. Do believers wish for freedom? Is that a possibility? I'd give to you, I'd say to you that yes. We all have times and places in our lives where we need freedom. Have you ever felt that in some way or maybe something you are not free? 
Something is keeping you from being who God wants you to be. Something is holding you back. And you may know exactly what that something is. Maybe it's some bondage or sin that keeps raising its ugly head. Something you've dealt with over and over in your life. Maybe it's a past experience. Self-inflicted or caused by others. Most people, believe it or not, have been through some something very traumatic in their lives. And the older I get, the more I realize how many people have been through terrible, life-altering things. Maybe it's insults. Something that, even as a young child, stuck with you and you believed it about yourself can't get rid of it. Maybe it's a wound, something that hurt. Or a weakness that something we just can't seem to conquer. A habit. For many people in our circles, I shouldn't say many, for some, it's Habits that we don't, we as a as a conference don't allow as a church. Tobacco being one of the primary primary things that I'm thinking about about there. For some, it's prescription medications they're addicted to. They can't break, can't get away from. Fear, fear is very real to many of us, and it may be fear, my fear of you, fear of each other, fear of what others think of us. Fear is huge, and it is not of God. Never is fear of God. Just get that in your head. That is not of God. And I deal with fear. It is a real, real thing in in my life at times. Bitterness. Bitterness can be tied to most of these because a lot of these things that we deal with in life come from something somebody else did or some circumstance we were in that we could be bitter about. Rejection, something some, that happened, you were rejected. Maybe you don't feel like you're part of the group you want to be in. I have, in the very recent past, very unknowingly, unintentionally, caused some very hard feelings, some very deep hurt. By what I did, made someone feel rejected. It's very real. Thankfully, that brother was man enough to deal with it on his own. I found out about it, had a conversation with him about it, and he'd forgiven me. He said, brother, if I couldn't have forgiven you, I'd have had to come to you about it. Thankfully, he had. But we face rejection. Sins of our past. Things that we can't quite get over the guilt of. Is it possible that believers would need to hear the next 25 words. Next two, these two verses. Jesus says, I'm going to just go ahead and read it all again. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus was talking to believers. We are broken people. 
We are not perfect. There was only one person who was perfect, and it is not you, and it's not me. We know the illustration of the potter and the clay. How the potter might form a pot and work it and spend hours working on it. And as it starts to cure, or whatever the process is, it cracks. So what does he do? Crunch. He breaks it. And rebuilds that pot again. Some of us spend our lives, it seems, being broken again and again and again. We are not perfect people. Even Christians deal with bondage. And you know that story this morning that Brother David shared. You know, that man wasn't free. That pineapple patch had him in bondage. Was that okay? No, that wasn't what God wanted of him. Failure and bondage is not okay in our lives. So how, what are we, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus does not want us to be held in bondage. And Jesus gives us the answer to this dilemma that all of us face at some time or another. What is that answer? Let's look at verse 31. If ye continue in my word, then, and in my Bible, that's italicized, then are ye my disciples indeed. Not all who say, Lord, Lord, are, my, are his disciples. It is those who continue in his word. This word continue in the Greek is the word meno. And that word means to abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, be present, remain, stand, and tarry. All adjectives are derivatives of that word meno. To continue in my word. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And that's a whole thought and in in probably a sermon in itself in abiding in God's word. What does that really mean? But are we really living the word as God has, as we understand, as God has given us um, truth? Are we living, abiding, remaining, standing in that word? Now, no. He did not say, when you are perfect, when you have it all together, and have figured everything out, then you are my disciple. He didn't say that. He said, if you're living my word, if you're doing what the word says to the best of your ability, you that continue in my word, then are you my disciple. And he says that continuing in his word makes us a disciple. It's a continuing process. Our commitment to living out His Word proves who we are. I heard a statement the other, or a couple weeks ago, something to this effect. The modern church, and it could be us, is making a lot of people who love a Jesus they know nothing about. Think about that. They love a Jesus they know nothing about. How can they be a disciple if they don't know anything about him? I'm afraid a lot of them aren't. If they don't know, they don't abide in God's word. So what does abiding or continuing 
in God's Word do for us? Well, verse 32, we get to know the truth. And it says in that verse 32, and ye shall know the truth. So I want to pose the same question that Pilate asked of Jesus during his trial. It's found in John 18, 38a. And it says, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? What is truth? John answers, or Jesus answered, answers that question in John 14, 6. And I'm hopefully your mind already went there. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is who we get to know by abiding in his word, and that sets us free. So, abiding in his word brings us to the knowledge of who Jesus really is. But that's not enough. We must know him, not just about him. So how many of you know Donald Trump? How many of you have met Donald Trump? How many of you, you know who he is. A lot of people know who Jesus is. But how many of you know him? How many of you know your spouse? Some of you are just getting to. That's okay. But our best friend, our spouse, hopefully our best friend and our spouse are the same thing. But think of your best friend or your spouse. Some of you are not married. There's someone in life that you really feel like you know. It may be your sister, your brother, whoever, someone that you're close to. You feel like you know them. You know that when you say this, they're going to say that. Or you think this, whatever. You, you know them. Knowing, really knowing Jesus brings freedom. It's an intimate knowledge of Him. I think probably the most important point of this whole message is that point right there. Knowing Jesus brings freedom. Why or maybe how does knowing Jesus bring freedom? Let's go to Romans 6. Just a couple verses out of this. We could spend a lot of time in Romans 6. We're not going to do that. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Romans 6 verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So let's go back to that list of things that we talked about a while ago. Think about whichever one of those things got you in the gut. The one that you know all about. Or maybe it's something I didn't mention. The place in your life where the greatest bondage, where you have experienced the greatest bondage. Think about it a little bit. And think about these verses. Shall we continue, and I'm going to just paraphrase it here, in that bondage that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to that bondage live any longer therein? Does God want us, want us to stay there in that bondage? No, He does not want us to live any longer therein, if you want to say it that way. So what is the answer? Let's jump ahead to verse 11 of Romans 6. Verse 11, 
Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a really, really key word in that verse. Reckon. Consider. It's done. You are dead to all those things. You may not feel like it. This sermon comes from my own personal struggle. There are things in my life that I have to deal with. We all have to grapple with, the, with those things that are, that are back there. He's saying, consider them dead. You are not who you used to be. Believe it. Live it. Get a hold of the fact and then rejoice. That's not you anymore. You are in Christ Jesus. And if you do fail, it's not your body you are defiling. It is not you, it is Christ. It says to reckon yourselves dead. Your old person. And here's a key. That conversation this week brought up. Don't allow yourself to focus on or to think about sin or the devil. I know that seems a little strange, but don't allow yourself to think about sin, about that temptation, that bondage. This, it's gone. Consider it dead. It's over. You, sorry, <clears throat> You're in Christ Jesus. Think about Him and what He wants you to do and how to better please Him. The battlefield is often in our mind. If you focus on sin, think about that. Think about the struggle you've had. Focus on that. You're probably going to face it again. You're probably going to fail there again. You can't get where you want to go looking in the rearview mirror. We are only... We are not only supposed to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. If it stops there, Jesus' resurrection is futile. We're also supposed to reckon, reckon ourselves to be alive unto God, knowing Jesus brings freedom. You are a living, breathing representation of Jesus Christ to the world around you. And I thought that story pineapple story lined up so well with this when he really surrendered to Jesus and gave it to him he became the representation that those people needed and until he could give it to God let it go he couldn't be that representation to Jesus of, of Jesus to the world look what it did to his ministry God can do the same thing in your life and mine remember who you were or think about, let's think about who you were. And I don't care if it was yesterday. It is not who you are in Christ Jesus. The end of those things is death. Our focus has to be on knowing who Jesus is. The truth. The more we know Him personally, the more verse 22 comes to life. 
getting ahead of myself here. Let's read verses 21 and 22 of Romans uh, Romans 6 here. Verses 20, 21 and 22. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Our freedom comes through Jesus. Knowing Him. Verse 23, think about that again. Our freedom comes through Jesus. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Not bondage, life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Point number three that I'd like to make is to find total freedom. We have to leave the past behind, and that's what we've been talking about. To find total freedom, we have to leave that behind. That's not who you are. You are a new person in Christ. But as is our human tendency, we look at this through a past experience. And I say, but what about my failures? What about if I face that temptation again and I fail? What about that sin, that thing that so easily catches our attention and trips us up? Can we be free of that? Can we really get to a place in life where it no longer has an effect on us? I say yes, we can. We can be free of those old bondages. But we can't win by thinking about it, focusing on it. Remember verse 11? Consider it dead. Reckon it dead. Let's focus on where we're going, not where we've been. So what if I fall? What if I do slip back into that old person that I was? I had a friend this week told me, he said, he's, he, pulled, he pulled his truck into um, Sharp Shopper parking lot, opened the door, he stepped out, and just like that he was on the ground, flat on the ground. His door slammed into the car beside him. What in the world just happened? He got to looking, and there was two bananas smeared out on the ground. The stickers right there in the, on the asphalt. You know what? He fell. He failed. And he hit the ground and hit it hard. And it hurt. You know, sometimes a Christian life is like that. Sometimes we step into stuff that we shouldn't. So let me ask you something. When you think about that, do you think that took God by surprise when he stepped out of his truck and stepped on that banana? Oh, God knew it was coming. Do you think it takes God by surprise when you fail? When you step on the banana and fall flat on your face? God knew it was coming. Nothing takes God by surprise. I think what Except for one thing, I want to I want to give a caveat there. As you, as we look at that, what does surprise God in this whole scenario? 
I believe what surprises God is when one of His children does not believe and accept what He's told us. We're His disciple, right? He spent all that time on earth showing us who He is, how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, how much He was willing to do to get our freedom, to pay for our freedom, to pay for our sins, and to set us free. So I think it surprises God when we don't believe what He says. So how are we supposed to feel about it when we step on a banana? We fail. Our frailty, our weakness catches us. And how are we supposed to feel if we fall into sin? If we fail. And I have a reason for saying if. We'll explain that in a little. We know that it's not God's will that we sin. We also know from experience that we live in a fallen world. There's a lot of bananas out there that we could step on. It's not that hard to fail. 1 John 2 verse 1 says, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. He doesn't want us to sin. This, this message is not a... Some people believe in easy grace. doesn't really matter what you do, the grace is there to cover it. That is not taught anywhere in Scripture. Not at all. God does not want us to fail. But He said, if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He walked this world earth. He saw all the banana peels. And He is there waiting to pick us back up, to step in and help us if we do fall. You know, when you have a youngster on a bike and they fall, do you beride, belittle them for, for falling off the bike? Of course not. You go pick them up, you help them. Comfort them. Bandage your knee. Say, get on your bike and go again. It's the only way you're going to learn to ride. I think that's a little bit the way God does for us. He is there waiting to pick us up if we do fall. So the key is where our focus is. Are we focusing on... That sin that so easily besets us? Or are we focusing on following Jesus? If we continue to think about and dwell on the past, we are not reckoning ourselves dead. That's not who you are anymore. 1 John 1, I want to read three verses here. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'll make a few notes about that passage. As we are disciples of Christ and spend time in the Word and follow Jesus, that's what I was talking about in verse 7, we walk in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And Jesus' blood cleanseth. That's a continual action. 
I believe, and I can, could be corrected here, but I believe that is continually happening. It was once and done, but it continues to cleanse. And it's verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That is not saying that we have sin in our lives and that we will sin. It's saying that all people need this blood of Jesus to cover their sins. And verse 9, if we confess our sins, we come to that place of realizing that and give it to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from... How much unrighteousness? He says, all of it. That's a continual process. I don't think we need to live our lives trying to avoid sin. God's going to take care of that. If we slip fall it bad enough that His Spirit touches us on a spot, we need to repent. We don't need to sit here and analyze our lives and say, well, you know, am I, am I being good enough for God? No, that's not who you are. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Live it and let Him take care of your sin problem. If you, if you commit a sin that you know is sin, sure, you need to repent and ask Him to forgive, it, forgive you. But His blood cleanses us continual from all unrighteousness. If we fail, we must simply repent and let God use that to refine us. God gives us grace and grace is not a liberty to sin. I heard a different illustration for grace this week than I'd heard it before, but I think it's so good. It said grace is God's etching tool of His power defining and changing us. Mercy is not giving us what we need. Grace is changing us. It's His power changing us into the image that He wants us to be. It's up to God's grace to do this work in our lives. We cannot redeem our failures, but God can. God can use them. Did in that story this morning. I thought that was so beautiful. God used that man's failures. You know, if there, as I thought about this story, if, he, if those natives hadn't had that backdrop of his failure, they wouldn't have had quite the contrast to see what a true Christianity really looks like. Now, sure, it would have been best if he would have trusted God. But God used that failure to further his kingdom. God can redeem our failures. Philippians 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forget those things which are behind. Don't focus there. Focus on who Jesus is and who He wants you to be and let Him make you who He wants you to be. If we focus on our failures, we're going to do it again. And we might, but not if we completely rely on Jesus Christ and His blood. He can deliver us from that. Freedom. As you'll probably see if you read much about Memorial Day, the statement, freedom is not free. It's very true. Freedom isn't free. It costs Jesus his life to purchase our freedom. 
but it is available through the power and grace of our Lord Jesus. It is not possible on our own, but it is possible as we pursue and surrender to the truth of who Jesus is.